This is the Side Hustle Show with Nick Loper, episode 10, Double Digits, baby. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show, where aspiring part-time entrepreneurs learn how to turn their side hustle dreams into reality. Because your nine to five may make you a living, but your five to nine makes you alive. And now your host, Nick Loper. Hey everybody, Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show. Pretty pumped to have made it to episode 10. It's been a ton of fun so far and hopefully you're enjoying it as much as I am. So how's it going? Good? Great. Um, well, even if it's not so good, your day is about to get a whole lot better once my guest, Robert Farrington, drops some blogging knowledge bombs in your earbuds. Now, Robert is an amazing side hustler, still working full time, but pulling in three to $5,000 a month from a small portfolio of different blogs he runs in his spare time, nights and weekends. It's an amazing story. So the flagship site is thecollegeinvestor.com. So you can go check that out. Um, but you can also find Robert at kidsaintcheap.com, entrepreneurshiplife.com, mymultipleincomes.com, which I love, and beatthe9to5.com, which is also awesome. So, uh, excuse me, in this episode, he shares some really great advice for starting and growing and managing and monetizing your blog. And in addition to those, if you stick around uh, to the end of the episode, I'll share my top five tips for new bloggers. And with that, we'll get right into it. And here's Robert. All right, Robert, welcome to the Side Hustle Show. Hey, thanks for having me, Nick. I really appreciate it. So take me back to, you've got this portfolio of sites now, but take me back to the beginning with uh, the College Investor. Is that, is that kind of your flagship site? Yeah, you know, that's that's my main site. That's the site I started uh, like really blogging with. Um, I didn't even really know what blogging was, but I was just bored and I wanted something to do. And, you know, the Internet's always attracted me. I, I remember being like in middle school, like programming on like this old Mac, um, you know, Apple computer. And I've just always been interested in that. And I've always been interested in finances and personal finance. So the two kind of came together uh, with the college investor. And I started there. And, you know, it's it's been a long ride. I didn't know what I was doing. I <laughs> know what a theme was or WordPress or any of that stuff. And it literally, um, you know, took me a long time to figure it out. But, you know, it's still going strong. And, you know, I'm really excited for how it's growing now that I have figured things out a little bit. Did you find like, was there a, a conscious effort to choose that niche in the market? Like as do, do college kids have any money to invest anyways? Like I'm curious how that that um, conception or came about. You know, and I was actually thinking about that in the car today because I, I think I should add my tagline back there. But, you know, for me, it was I was just graduating college when I started it. Um, and I was willing to start investing in personal finance with something I was super passionate about. Um, but for me, I was struggling with student loans. Um, I wanted to really start investing. It always been a passion of mine. I always put my little bit of spending money in there. And then talking to my friends and talking to people I know, it's like everyone wanted to, but nobody quite knew how to. Okay. And that's kind of how that got started. Very cool. I think um, it's tough because in college, you know, you, you hear always the pitch like, oh, the earlier you start, you know, the better off you're going to be, you know, come retirement time. But it's it's just, it's tough to get excited when it's 40 years away and at 10% a year. It's like when you're in college, I want to, I want to double my money overnight. You know, I want to find the get rich quick schemes and stuff. 
For sure. And, you know, there's like two things that kind of always bother me in college is one, the people that were like really passionate about investing were always about like these penny stocks and like all this crazy stuff that like (laughs) you definitely shouldn't do. Okay. But it was fun for them. And it was almost like, you know, some people play poker and some people did that because, you know, it's you could lose it all overnight or like you could double your money. Okay. This day Um, day trading (laughs) 2.0. Right. And then the other thing was like right at the time, I mean, it was the you know great recession i remember sitting in class one day and just like had my laptop open and watching the stock market go down like 350 points and i'm just like holy crap what is going on here you know i mean that's the first time i've kind of experienced that in my lifetime and you know it's a big shock so you know all those kind of factors combined together very cool so what kind of actions did you initially so this was like um during the market crash 2008 2009 time frame when it started 2009 is when i started the site you know always been passionate about it before then but like official launch 2009 okay so what kind of actions did you take in 2009 um to get it off the ground and try and build up the um the readership to to where it is today you know, it, it took a long time. So in 2009, um, you know, going back in my archives, like my first posts were like, I don't even know why I was writing this. Like it was really light content, really crappy. But, you know, I just wanted to kind of like share some insights and had a terrible free theme. <laughs> and I thought it was like the greatest thing in the world. But that's really how it started. And, you know, I think after like six months, I had like maybe like 30 people a day coming to my site, like nothing. Um, all from just uh, search engine traffic? Just like search engine, maybe my mom. I don't know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but nobody was coming to the site. Um, and it wasn't until really I stumbled upon other personal finance bloggers and started making some connections. Um, and I stumbled across a network of bloggers um, called the Akizi um, that I started reading the forum, started to learn a little bit, started to network with people, kind of see what I should be doing, learned a little bit about SEO and like, what do you put in the title tag? What's a description? Like, didn't know any of that when I started. Okay. And so some of that and started getting me going and, you know, kind of seeing what other people were doing. And, you know, that's kind of what got me going. Exactly. So that's, I think, a, a really good point to bring up is to make some connections in your niche. And it's not not necessarily to view these other bloggers as your competition, but rather um, see how you guys can cooperate and um, and lift everyone up. 100% agree. So literally finding a network of bloggers was like my saving grace because I probably would have stopped blogging like I wasn't going anywhere. You know, it's kind of like how much can you put out into space and like no one cares before like you kind of get burned out, right? Yeah, I've yes. um I've been blogging for for several years and and I'm kind of <laughs> I've kind of been there. Right. And so that's what did it. And then getting involved on the forums, talking to them, emailing them, and then, you know, looking back in hindsight, it's like the reason why I think you know there's you can have so many blogs about the same thing is because everyone's looking for a blog is different from the New York Times because a blog has like a personal spin or opinion where you know the New York Times shares the news, and to me it's like you can have a hundred personal finance sites and you can all cover the same story, but everybody's gonna have a different take, a different insight, you know, a personal story that's gonna connect to it, and everyone's gonna be a little different, and I think that's what's really cool about it. Okay, so um, Derek Halpern calls this newsjacking, where yeah. it's like you can um, go after the um, the current events or whatever that's that's hot in the news, mm-hmm. but to put your spin on it and and twist it to make it relevant to to your audience. 
Right. And, you know, honestly, I took Derek's post and I actually used it one time and it's a great strategy. I, I wrote an article on the College Investor is how Shark Tank is making me a better investor. Perfect. <laughs> one of my staff writers. So the first thing I did, right, was, you know, I set up a bunch of scheduled tweets um, to tweet all of, you know, the Shark Tank guys, Damon, you know, all of them. Okay. And a couple of them retweeted my content to their, you know, hundreds of thousands of followers and, you know, was able to get, you know, good, huge traffic to that post and to the rest of my site. So, it, you know, it's a strategy that definitely can work. Yeah, that's that's an awesome story. Um, so kind of I wanted to talk, touch on this really quickly. The difference between a blog and a niche site or a niche site, depending on pronunciation, um, <laughs> you see with um, with the n- new Niche Site Duo 2.0 um, on yeah. Smart Passive Income and, and Spencer Hawes and a bunch of these other guys, like this is kind of, a a sexier and maybe it's being pitched as a more passive approach versus blogging where you've got to create a ton of content on a daily or weekly basis Uh, so i just wanted to get your take on the difference between the two and why you have chosen the the harder road on the blogging path you know, it's interesting because I actually, if you go back in my income reports on my multiple incomes, like I actually had a niche site for a while and I sucked at it. I, I couldn't, I couldn't get it to go anywhere. And, you know, I think, I think the difference is, I mean, I don't even know with there with those, I mean, I don't even call like what Pat Flynn is building a niche site. Like he's building these authority sites that are designed to be, you know, huge guides for whatever. He had the security guard training before. Right. Like, that, like you said, it's an authority site now. And to get it to rank well and consistently stay well ranked in Google and to get a lot of other traffic, like you have to have thick content or meaty content now. And to me, like a niche site, you know, typically didn't have that in the past. It was very targeted, very thin, and it was designed to, you know, push you to an ad or push you to whatever was going to, you know, make money for whoever owned that site. Right. So let's talk about, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was saying, whereas like, you know, having a blog or an authority site, you know, you build, you build the content. I mean, to me, a blog is more like the, is like the old school magazine and like a niche site's like a flyer. Okay. That's a good, I think that's a good comparison. Did you know that roughly half of Side Hustle Nation hasn't started their side hustle yet? If that's you, I get it. Starting and building a business is tough. It takes more than just an idea. There are tons of moving parts, and it's a bit like trying to assemble your airplane in the middle of takeoff. Thankfully, our sponsor, Taylor Brands, is helping Side Hustle Show listeners make that leap and make it all a lot easier. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, making sure you have everything you need all in one place. Think of it like your behind-the-scenes partner for things like LLC formation, licenses and permits, getting an EIN, setting up your business bank account, bookkeeping and invoicing, insurance, logos, trademark protection, and a lot more. Taylor Brands helps you handle it all seamlessly. And to get you started, Side Hustle Show listeners get 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans when you use our link. That's taylorbrands.com slash side hustle. Taylor Brands, like a tailor for your clothes, T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A. A-N-D-S.com slash side hustle. Start your business journey today with the help of Taylor Brands. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? 
Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over 3.5 million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So I was going to ask about uh, monetization because I've been reading a couple of your monthly income reports, and we're not talking about you know a few pennies from from AdSense here. We're talking about some pretty significant money. Yet on College Investor, there's not a ton of invasive ads. So can you tell me a little bit about the monetization strategy and how that all works? Yeah, you know, a, a lot of my monetization comes from private advertisers and it actually goes into the posts. So my best posts are like my old evergreen content that I can put related um, content into. Um, for example, like I talk a lot about like my uh, my student loan horror stories and how um, my student loan servicer like jacked my credit because they didn't process their bills on time and all this stuff. So like I'll put in, um, you know, affiliate advertising and direct advertising related to checking your free credit score and different things like that that okay. can really um, help you with your content. But it's related to me. It's really important. You know, some people build it by, you know, you build a story and people do it because it's just related. And I think that's key. Okay. Now, are you reaching out to these advertisers and say, hey, would you like to be a part of the site? Or kind of how did you go about signing signing up with them? Both. So, you know, now I'm able to do that more. And I also have a huge contact list that I, I've built over the last few years that I can just reach out and be like, hey, we've worked in the past or I know this is your client. Um, you know, cause a lot of, a lot of the big companies use third party firms to ha- you know, to take care of their advertising campaigns Okay, right. Uh, online. And, you know, once you kind of connect the dots, um, you're able to find out who's, who does who, and maybe they can point you in the right direction to who, what company has this company and see if you're able to do something. Um, you know, I have, uh, actually have some investment firms that are doing the same thing and I'm trying to, they're trying to get their online presence and their blog presence because they're starting to see that's the way to go. And it's kind of selling them at the same time as, you know, showing them how this can add value to them. So have the readers kind of grown up uh, with you or is, are they kind of cycling in and out as they become not college aged anymore? You know, it's, it's hard to tell. I definitely have some of the same readers and then I, I have new ones all the time. And, you know, with the college investor, it's tough because I got, I got a, a segment of readers that's about the student loans and a segment of readers that's about the investing. And, you know, I'm hoping that they're starting to bridge the gap between the two, but you never know because, you know, my, my, ki- my key content, like there's a couple strong investing articles and there's a couple strong student loan articles and you never quite know. Yeah, it's tough to, um, to start talking about investing when you're still in debt. <laughs> it is. It's one of those things like it's a reminder you should do it. Um, but, you know, one of the things that I was having an interaction with another blogger, it's we were kind of like chatting, well, like, how do you know, like, people actually care about 
what you have to say or are they just always are you always getting google traffic or do you have like loyal readers that care about your stuff and so i actually wrote about it recently of how do you have online brand recognition is the the metric that we kind of decided is are people searching for your stuff in google because if they're searching for your brand name in google they're looking for you versus are they searching for search terms right okay and do you find that people are searching for you specifically at this point yeah, there's definitely, you know, again, every day there's people searching for the college investor brand. So that's that's a good sign. Yeah, that's that's great. So when it goes when it comes to investing, and I'm curious to get your take on this as somebody who's invested in the market and in their side hustle business, is there a, a good mix, a portfolio mix um, that you would recommend or kind of where where would you tilt on on that scale? I mean, you got uh, you got to do both. So I think I think when anyone you take that leap. So my big my big philosophy that I'm going with with beat the nine to five is that I think you can do it without having to sacrifice. And we'll see. My goal is within two years, you know, hopefully I can ditch my nine to five and like be able to do this full time without like compromising. And so that's my that's my premise. And so with that being said, you know, I'm I'm trying to make sure that we're maintaining like maxing out our IRAs and you know, all that type of stuff while still building websites. And as we were talking about earlier, buying websites and building the company. So, yeah, this this pretty impressive portfolio that's already bringing in, um, what would you say an average, uh, an average month is? You know, it's three to four to 5,000 kind of depending on the month, um, definitely better months than others. And you know, that's the, that's, that was what scares me the most about eventually trying to leave the nine to five. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> you know? a little more, a little more volatility there. Right. And so, you know, it's, uh, I, my part of my, I have a few metrics that I'm going off of and it's sustained consistency is I want to have like a baseline consistent amount every month, but I would say four to 5,000, you know, 3,000 on the low months right now. Yeah. What are you, what are you waiting for? Like you, do you have like some crazy high monthly expenses or <laughs> Well, I mean, I'm married, baby on the way. Okay, congratulations. <laughs> thank you. And, you know, have a house and, you know, I don't know. I'm partially scared shitless probably. About <laughs> but, you know, I definitely want to make sure that family life settles out. We got a good routine with that and sustainable income over a period of time. So that's what I'm going for. That's true. But, you know, if you're still around, um, after you know, since 2009, you've survived all of the the algorithm updates to this point, I feel like you've got to be pretty safe, you know, from their, um, at least sure. from getting I, Google slapped. Well, I don't know. You can never that be one, totally sure, but. <laughs> you can never be totally sure. Like that's, that's one of those things. That's why I, like I said, do people search for you or are they searching for your content? And I think you get a little more safer every time that more people are searching for your brand. Because that means that hopefully you can withstand a Google slap. If you have a nice social media following, if people are searching for you, um, if you drop in some search rank- rankings, you know, I think you can survive some of that. Definitely. Uh, you touched on real briefly uh, purchasing sites. Can you tell me about your experience or strategy on that front? Yeah. So, you know, I've, I've bought two now. Um, just this last year. So um, I bought a site, Kids Ain't Cheap and Cult of Money. Both of them are in the personal finance niche. Okay. Um, but with those sites, you know, I was I was looking for sites that were under monetized, 
hadn't been updated in a long time, but still had good rankings. Um, so, I mean, you kind of saw in when Pat Flynn was building up to his niche site duel, they were talking about kind of building a blog network and leveraging that. So I'm trying a combination of a mini blog network and leveraging those to help out some of my main sites while at the same time using them to monetize some of their content as well. Okay. Did you find them on Flippa or did you approach the owners directly? I approached the owners directly. So I went, I've been, I scour through um, some of the blog directory listings um, and, you know, there's a, there's a lot in the personal finance space that kind of rank like, you know, the hundred best top personal finance blog and stuff. And so I kind of scrolled through there, um, looked for ones that hadn't been updated in a year, but still had, you know, strong page rank and domain authority and had a lot of content and stuff. And I just emailed them and started going through the list. I probably emailed about 50, 75 blogs. You know, most of them didn't respond. Their emails probably gone off into Neverland, but right. some of them got back to me. And then we just started chatting about it. Like, Hey, you know, I haven't seen you haven't done anything with this in a long time. Uh, you interested in getting some cash and handing it over and a couple of them were interested. Yeah, that's that's great. <laughs> Somebody offers you cash and you're like, quick, don't act too excited. Somebody wants to buy this old <laughs> this old junk heap off me. Yeah, so I think it was win-win. I mean, they weren't doing anything with it. You know, um, I think I got a good deal for like kids ain't cheap, um, you know, already profitable in about six, seven months. So, you know, I think they're working out. Okay, that's outstanding. I was going to ask about um, kind of what kind of multiplier you're targeting just ballpark what the price point was for those yeah, acquisitions? You know, um, a lot of them, I, I, um, for these older ones, it's like one year of annual income tops. But like for, you know, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. It's not AdSense income, search income. It's like everything that they've kind of ever done on the site. Okay. Because, you know, these are older sites and stuff. So, you know, and then we kind of just haggle from there. Yeah. So, and then you're saying too, that's 12 months earnings and that's, in your opinion, under monetized. So you're able to break even even faster. Yeah, definitely. Just because, and that's the one benefit I have because I do have two, three years of contacts that I've wanted to advertise on my site. So I kind of took a strategy and just pinged them all as soon as I got the sites. Like, hey, site you might be interested in, you know, let me know. And it's like quickly, easily being able to just use my connections to, you know, get going on those sites. See, it's stuff like that where you know, you can get a hundred percent return in, in 12 months or 14 months. That makes me like not want to touch the stock market. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, I, I, I can sympathize, but it's, you know, one of those things that I still believe that you do got to invest for your future. And, you know, I think there's some really cool things that you can do, um, with the stock market. So I'm, I'm a big believer in IRAs, you know, you can have that tax deferred and, you know, tax free withdrawals in the future. Um, I'm a big fan of my SEP IRA because you can take the business income and you can shelter it from taxes now and then it still grows for your future and retirement as well. So there's just some cool things you can do. Definitely. Um, on the college investor, I noticed you've gotten some pretty serious um, press mentions, New York Times, USA Today. Um, I wanted to talk uh, kind of how you went about pitching those reporters or kind of how those articles um, got written sure i mean haro is the best source that i think you can go for help a reporter out okay um you know i'm subscribed to that and i honestly i try to respond to as many relevant ones as possible um for whatever because you never know and a lot of times i'll get 
I'll get mentioned or you know written up on just some random person's blog, and then it gets syndicated by the New York Times, and you know you get a lot of traffic, or you know it'll be on their homepages, and and then just getting your blog out there, your website out there in front of other readers, you know you never know when the New York Times or Money Magazine or some random reporter is just going to be reading that article that day. And then want to like use your site for something else. Okay, very cool. Are there any any pitch tips? Because I feel like it's um, whatever. There's like a hundred thousand people on this distribution list. The odds of your <laughs> pitch getting accepted or getting even even read sometimes it seems like it it may be a waste of time. You know, and I think it all depends on your thing. So I've actually used Haro as well to get um, sources for stories that I've written on the College Investor, um, and I was surprised. So you know sometimes you only get like 10, 15 pitches. So I think, you know, it goes both ways. You know, if it, if you're there and it's only 10, 15 pitches, it's be early and be memorable. Okay. So. Very good. If you travel a lot for work or for vacation, you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time and you're still paying for that privilege. But hosting on Airbnb means you don't have to leave your home sitting empty when you're away. Being an Airbnb host isn't just a way to earn some extra cash. It's a chance to share your space and make a guest's vacation all the more memorable. You might be thinking, eh, maybe my place isn't the right fit, but don't write it off just yet. Your potential Airbnb might be right in front of you. Whether it's a spare room or even your entire home, there's an opportunity waiting. Airbnb turns your home into a practical and even profitable venture. We just got back from a family trip to Hawaii where we stayed in a great Airbnb, but our place back home could have been a highlight to somebody else's travels, and we could have used the extra cash to help pay for the trip. So if you're curious about hosting on Airbnb, find out how much your space could be worth by visiting airbnb.com slash host. Once again, that's airbnb.com slash host. So after blogging for four years on the same topic, like how do you how do you keep coming up with content ideas and and avoid beating the dead horse of of personal finance? Yeah, I mean that that's a joke for personal finance bloggers. I mean, there's probably like six topics that we talk about: debt, savings, investing, <laughs> maybe like insurance and retirement. But yeah, you go in a cycle. So I mean, it's all about it's all about taking a unique perspective and highlighting a unique story. And maybe like telling a little bit of a story and like intertwining that to like why people care. Yeah. I was going to say like how how many times can you, can you say you should save your money? Exactly. And so it's, let's talk to other cool people. So I, this year I started a, I know a young millionaire series. Um, I've been reaching out to, you know, young people under 35 that are are millionaires, how they did it, what they're doing now and kind of like telling their story. Okay. Very Um, cool. Yeah. Those articles gain a lot of traction um, I, I do that news hacking a little bit. Like um, one of my most popular articles, like last year, was about Robert Kiyosaki and his company's bankruptcy. Yeah. So <laughs> you know he's a big dude, right? Like rich dad, poor dad. But then at the same time, like his company went bankrupt. So you know, talking a little about that. Oh, the irony. <laughs> I, oh, exactly. And you know, it's I preach personal finance, but. You know, people will say, well, you did the smart thing. Is let his company go bankrupt? Well, he kept his millions, but it's like... Yeah, that's true. He sheltered him, I'm sure, his personal assets from all that stuff. Exactly. So, then, you know, that's that's the role model. But then at the same time, you're like pitching, you know, who knows? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, so, 
I'm kind of curious between like these five, five different sites, six different sites. Um, how many posts are you writing yourself? Like, where are you finding the time to do all this stuff? Or you, you mentioned, uh, a staff writer, uh, before. Yep. So, um, on the college investor, I'm writing about two posts a week. Um, I try to keep all my posts like 800 to 1,000 words. I do longer articles there. And then I have staff writers because I do post every day on that site right now. Okay, wow. And so right now I have five staff writers there. Um, screen them, other bloggers and other people I know. Um, and we really kind of have a good harmony that all kind of works. So even though it's different people, it's still kind of like united in the same front there. Do you have to pay these people? definitely pay them um you know I, I think i pay them a good a good amount per article and, and they've stuck with me and I, I do give them incentive bonuses as well so um you know if they get a thousand page views in the first uh seven days of their article we'll um, double what we paid for the article so okay well how much does a typical article cost All right now i pay about 25 dollars um and you know like i said i asked for um you know about a thousand words for an article but give or take, like I'd rather the content be the right content. So if you're going to go less than that, cool. If it's awesome, you know, like just wanted to be right. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's a pretty bold move too. Um, in, in, I don't know, maybe I'm too cheap. Like that's, that seems expensive for, um, you know, just to kind of keep pumping the, the content machine, but obviously you know, it's it, working. Um, because yeah, they I, I've there. done I've done all price points. Actually, I do have a couple staff writers at different rates, um, depending on their experience level and, you know, what kind of content they're giving. And, you know, I've done it all. I've done the five ten dollar articles. I've done more at like thirty five fifty. And then and then I read people's I read other blogs and they're like about freelancing and different types of work. Now you can get five hundred thousand dollar an article and I'm just like, wow, I don't I don't know how I can get that high, but I guess there's people out there that do. <laughs> yeah, maybe if you're writing for I don't even know, like yeah. Ashable or, or something like something with a ton of views where they know they're going to make it back in, in ads or something. Right. And that's where I put the incentive. You know, I definitely if because it's, 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 you know, quid pro quo, like you help me, I help you. You're definitely getting paid. But if you can, if you tweet this and you promote it to your audience as well and they come and we get awesome page views and, you know, that kind of thing, like, definitely we want to, you know, give a bonus for that as well. Do you find there's a pretty strong correlation between page views and um, and income? There definitely is, especially on, you know, the pay-per-click and the affiliate. You know, the more people that are looking at that content, like, the definitely the more you can convert, especially if it's relevant. Okay. So a couple staff writers there now, are you, are they also helping out with these other sites or is that more all you? No, I mean, I, I in total have... 11 staff writers right now <laughs> wow this is like i'm really impressed with um with working full-time managing this you know pretty serious portfolio of sites and and managing this whole team of writers too yeah so yeah i have 11 staff writers for all the all the different websites some of them just post once a week on the site um entrepreneurship life one of the other sites i've ramped up to five day postings this uh this year i'm testing out some things there okay um, and so going there. And then I have a virtual assistant as well that helps keep everything kind of organized for me. Okay. That's, yeah, that's got to be a worthwhile um, investment just to keep things sane. Definitely. keeps things sane and helps with a lot of the, the routine and stuff that I can't do because I do work during the day. And believe it or not, I don't have access to a computer for like eight to 10 hours a day. So yeah, that makes it tough to moderate comments and, and, do all the outreach that you kind of need to do during the course of the, the content cycle. 
Exactly. So that's why we're here at night and we're taking, we're doing this. <laughs> yeah. We're, so for everyone listening in the future, we're recording this around uh, 930 at night. Yeah. Well, if you ever, like, I always joke, if you ever listen to Pat Flynn's, like he's, he's recording at like two, three in the morning, you know? Even later. It's, that's nuts. I'm, I'm definitely asleep by that time. <laughs> so I was going to ask if you, if you had to start over from scratch at this point, what kind of actions would you take in the first week or first month to kind of rebuild or would you rebuild or would you do something differently entirely? You know, and I kind of did something totally different with, um, beat the nine to five. So that's definitely the newest site, you know, it doesn't have a lot of content on there yet, but we're building it. Um, and it's my most personal site, but it's also kind of like the culmination of probably all the lessons I've learned. Cause when I started in 2009, like, I mean, honestly, I don't think I made my first dollar on the college investor until 2011. Okay. Um, it took a good two years before I, I figured out how to even like put AdSense on there and try to make something. Okay. Um, so I would say the biggest thing is network. Get to know people in your space. Get to know people in other spaces and tangent spaces and just get to know people. Send them an email. Leave a comment on their site. Um, you know, if I'm a, it doesn't matter how big or how many page views or how big a site is. If you're leaving a comment every day, they will notice. Even if they're getting 100 comments a day, if you're there every day, they will notice. And then reach out to the person and talk to them and try to meet people in real life because um, there are people behind, you know, the, the websites and the blogs. And, you know, a lot of them, you'd be surprised, are nearby or going to speak somewhere by you and see if you can meet them. Definitely. Are you attending any um like personal finance events or financial blogger conference? Yep, definitely. I'm going, I haven't missed the last two, but I'm trying to go to the, I'm going to be going to the financial blogger conference this fall. Okay. Uh, I'm very excited about that one. And then, uh, you know, I am lucky to have a lot of bloggers in my hometown or near my hometown or like to come here. Um, and so, you know, every now and then uh, we'll meet up and chat on Twitter and go have some coffee. So, yeah, I think that's a, a great way to, build a deeper connection than just a virtual one sure and then network um thank gosh i found uh, the yakizi network when i did it's you know they have a forum and uh you know you can ask any like newbie questions you want and no one shames you and you know a lot of people are just there to help and that was that was a huge benefit so network and just get to know other people in your space and that's a that's a network specifically for of finance sites no, you know, it's it, you can you can find the link on my homepage, um, but it's it's really for anyone. It's personal finance and lifestyle bloggers, and it started off mostly personal finance, and then a lot of personal finance bloggers kind of get out of debt, and then they're like, "What do I blog about now?" And so it's <laughs> never evolved into you know like lifestyle and other things. So there's just a lot of cool bloggers. I think the network is like 110, 120 like blogs. I'm, I'm a member of it now because I've been commenting and helping out on the forums for a long time. Okay. And, I advise all it's it's free it's just go there and hang out and learn something very cool well uh, robert any parting tips for aspiring part-time entrepreneurs yeah you know the biggest thing the biggest tip i have is to just go take some action you know go out and do something stop thinking about it you could start a website it's super cheap you could go contact somebody you can leave a comment you can send an email make a social media connection, use an at sign on Twitter and just say like, Hey, I like your site or Hey, like I'd love to email you, but just do something. Like I think for so many people, I know like I've been frozen on ideas or like, why won't this work or why will this fail? Or, you know, there's already 500 personal finance sites out there. Like why do, why should I start another one? But 
just do it. You know, the one great thing about online business is it's there's no cost. Like it's so cheap. You can go get three dollar hosting. You can get a free theme, and you can just start. That's true. You've got nothing to lose uh, but time. Exactly, and but time's a killer, man. Like, you know, just go do something. And with that, I appreciate you spending some time in uh, in our listeners' earbuds. And uh, thank you so much for sharing all of this um, wisdom and very inspiring story. Even if you don't make money for the first two years, it pays off later if you keep at it. I love it. All right. Thanks, Nick. I appreciate it. All right. We'll see you soon. What do you think? Pretty awesome stuff, right? Five grand in your spare time is super side hustle baller, if you ask me. So I especially liked all his stuff about reaching out to other bloggers and becoming part of the community because it can be it can be pretty lonely, like you said, sending posts out into the wilderness of the internet and having no one ever read them. It's like, you know, if a tree falls in the forest, if, if, a, if a blogger blogs and no one reads it, does it even count? So as promised, my five tips for beginning bloggers. Number one, pick a tip you care about. It doesn't necessarily need to be a passion, but you do have to care because otherwise there's no hope at all of making your readers care. Number two, pick a topic other people care about. This is a mistake I made my first four years of blogging uh, because it was very much a personal blog, which is totally cool if that's what you're going for. But then you can't be disappointed when only 10 people want to read it. Number three, go self-hosted. You can, um, I mean, you can set up a free blog on Blogger or Tumblr or WordPress.com, but it looks super janky um, because that's going to be in your domain name and, and, um, you don't have 100% control over how the site looks and the content and everything else. So by going self-hosted, you have way more credibility and, um, and then you're on your own domain name and it's just the uh, better way to go. Number four, design matters. People make a split second decision whether or not to trust you and that isn't enough time to read your words, but it is enough time to see what your site looks like. And I'm not saying I have the best looking site in the world, but um, I'm just saying spend a little bit of time picking a good theme and making sure the site looks legit to, um, to your readers. Um, number five is be yourself. Don't be an anonymous publisher. People want to connect with people. And how many times have you gone to a website and clicked the about page and found some useless garbage that sounds like it came out of Dilbert's, you know, mission statement generator? And that's, that's one of my biggest pet peeves online. So have an opinion, pick fights, name names, just have fun with it. And with that, that's our top five and that's our show. So thanks so much for listening. Until next time, uh, go out there and make something happen. And I will see you next week in episode 11. Thanks for listening to the Side Hustle Show at www.sidehustlenation.com. 